we are not living in typical times. You probably have heard it said over and over again, but it can't be said too often. We're living in unprecedented times. And right now, uh, I'm experiencing something I have not experienced before. Uh, I'm inside a huge auditorium and I'm all alone. There's nobody else here. I'm all alone. I mean, uh, at other times we'd have camera people and sound people and some lighting people. Uh, They were always far away from me so that we were safe. But right now, nobody's here but me. And why is that? Well, I was exposed to somebody who had COVID-19. So was my wife, Pam. Hey, here's the praise. We tested negative, uh, but we're, we're always a church that tries to be careful. So I'm coming to the end of a 14-day self-quarantine, which means that nobody can be here in the building with me. But there's no way that I could bring this message to you all by myself. Uh, there's no way that could happen. So here's what you need to know. Behind the scenes, that's the key words, Behind the scenes, actually right back there, we have a sound room uh, in another room. And and inside that room, you can see right now is Fred. Hey, Fred. And also Maureen. And uh, by the way, I've known Maureen since she was in high school. Uh, And then I did Fred's wedding. Uh, But you know what is I love those guys so much. We're not in the same room together. But the reason you can hear what you're hearing is because of Fred and Maureen and what you're experiencing. All of a sudden, also way up, up, up high in this building is a place we call the nest. And and my assistant Tracy's up there and with some other people who make our behind the scenes happen. Tracy, take it away. Hey, Pastor Chuck. Yes, I'm in the nest and I have Lisa Musgraves right here. She's one of our incredible team members. I have Chris. He's our video director. And we have our clown because you always have to have a clown. You betcha. You bet. We never do anything without a clown. I'm kidding. <laughs> Anybody else think clowns are creepy? Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people get freaked out by clowns. And so we had to clown around and throw our clown in. Uh, but by the way, I've known Lisa since she was in high school too. Chris is a brand new member of our team. That guy is incredible. And Tracy, my assistant, is off the charts amazing. Uh, by the way, uh, if you are a Christian man who is single, if you're a single Christian man and you happen to be a doctor... Uh, then I would like you to meet Tracy. (laughs) She is going to kill me. Oh my gosh. And there's nothing she can do because I'm in this room all alone. (laughs) But my point is this. Behind the scenes, things are happening that hopefully make this time great for you. That make this time meaningful for you. And in lots of ways in life, we see that happening. Um, I don't know about you, but I'd love to know. Uh, I actually love commercials. Not every commercial, but do you like commercials? Are you one of those people who watches the Super Bowl for commercials? Or whenever a really good commercial comes on TV, you're like, oh, that's a great one. And when it comes on again, you can't wait to see it. And you know what? In that commercial, all you see is the scene. But behind the scenes are writers and directors and lighting people and and camera people and editors and special effects people sometimes. And and that's what goes in just to a short commercial. 
Uh, then I don't know about you, but I love to binge watch shows. Like, like especially that's, I love that. Part of it I love is because you don't have to wait for the next week to see the next episode. And my all-time favorite series to watch is called The Chosen. Uh, it's on Netflix. And Dallas Jenkins is the, the producer, creative director, director of it. And, and by the way, I got to interview Dallas. But when you see The Chosen, as a matter of fact, I love that show. It's about Jesus. It's about the apostles. Uh, our, our creative art director, Tim Roberts, is now watching it with his family for the second time. Uh, you won't be disappointed. But I got to talk to Dallas about all the behind the scenes, all the things that were occurring that you and I don't get to see. And it was so intriguing and so interesting. And by the way, Dallas is going to be back with us in December to talk about uh, season two and what's going to happen with that. But, but see, my point is this, that when you can only see the scene, you don't see the true activity and action that's happening behind the scenes. And Dallas, for instance, is really incredible about not only having the actors act and move and hit their marks in the right moment, but he does everything he does with the lighting and the effects and to bring out incredible emotion, to bring out something intriguing and amazing. And so I want you to know that's how life is. See, right now in your life, you probably can only see the scene, but behind the scenes is God. Behind the scenes is God directing and moving and choreographing and, and interweaving things into your life to make your life incredible. And we're starting a brand new series called Behind the Scenes, where you and I can actually understand better what God is doing, how he does it, why he does it, uh, how his will gets interacted and interweaved within your life. And so we're going to be kicking that off right now. But that's what I want you to think about. See, if you love God, if you are committed to living your life according to his purpose, more than ever, God is intimately a part of your life, but very often you can't even see him. You don't know what's happening. Now, sometimes you can step back and go, no, you're there. You're there, Lord. Uh, but the Bible promises is true for you. And, and so what you need to understand is we're going to be studying all these things as we go through so you can know what God is saying. You can know what God is doing. You can be more aware of it. Now, by the way, whether you love God or not, God is actively a part of what's happening. Uh, he does it individually. He does it uh, geographically. He does it throughout the world. He does it across time. But God is active. And like I said, if you love God, and you're committed to living out his purpose, then God is working on your behalf. Now, let me give you something that's kind of a cool part of understanding this. Not everything that happens is God's will. By the way, please don't miss that. Not everything that happens is God's will. Not everything that happens internationally is God's will. Not a, everything that happens in your life is God's will. There are choices you make that are not God's will. It's never God's will for you to sin, but you sin. It's never God's will for someone to sin against you, but they do. Um, an easy one is this. It's not God's will for anybody to get drunk. The Bible's clear. It is not God's will to get drunk. So if someone gets drunk, that's not God's will. If they get behind a, a car and they drive drunk, that's not God's will. If they crash into another car taking the lives of other people, that was never God's will. 
Now you might be going, well, wait a minute. How can God then have a sovereign will? We're going to get into that. You'll understand it better by the time we're done. But it's good for you to start here with me. Not everything that happens is God's will. But if you love God, if you're committed to God's purpose for your life, it is God's will to take everything that happens and work it together for good on your behalf. On you individually, for you individually, for your, your relationships and your family. Romans 8.28 is where we read this. It says, and we know that God causes all things, not some things. Look at those words, all things to work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So here's the most amazing thing ever. God said, I promise you something. I will cause all things to work together for good for you. There's someone in my life right now that I care about. And some things just recently occurred in the last two or three days that uh, at first don't seem good. Uh, and I would even say were surprising. Um, and I would even say shocking. So we're talking together and sharing together. And then I, I, I didn't say these as just words or just as a pat answer because I, I believe this with all my heart. I said to him, you know what? I know God's up to something. I know God's doing something. I know God's got something for you. And they said, I, I do too. I do too. I can't see it right now, but I know it. I believe it. And I said, don't let go of that because you're going to, a month from now, two months from now, we're going to look back and say, oh, this is what God did. There have been so many times in my life when I, I actually stop and I'll say, Lord, okay, this isn't good. This is a really, this is a bad one, Lord. I, I mean, I, I don't, I honestly can't wait to see how you're going to turn this to good. But as someone who's been a believer in Jesus and a follower of Jesus since 1974, he has never not done it. He has never come up short. By the way, God didn't come up short. And I have seen him every single time fulfill this promise every time he comes through. And so right now, right now, I want you to know that. I want you to experience that. Uh, we, we're going to start with a, a particular person in the Bible as a case study. So let's do a case study on it. We're going all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, uh, there's a man named Jacob who has 12 sons. And uh, one of his sons is Joseph. Joseph is one of the youngest sons. He's going to be the second youngest, uh, but he's one of his youngest sons. And at the time that this all occurred, he was the youngest son. And Joseph favored him, which got his brothers incredibly angry. I mean, they were, they were jealous of him. And then they got really, really mad at Joseph because Joseph started getting these dreams and Joseph believed the dreams were from God. And in his dream, the dreams of Joseph was that his father and mother and all of his brothers would one day bow down to him. Now that he's already the favored son, and they are so mad at him for coming and telling these dreams. But he believes they're from God. Then, then their anger goes to a whole new level because he catches them doing something bad and something wrong and he tells on them. Now they're grown men at this point, but they've had years for the anger to breed and seethe. They've had incredible amounts of time for the jealousy to go to the point of bitterness. And when he tells on them, they are done. 
and they're out in the middle of a wilderness area and they start beating him and roughing him up and they throw him into a pit. None of this, by the way, is God's will. To act that way towards a family member, to abuse a family member, that's not the will of God. And while he's in this pit, he begs them to show mercy. He begs them to stop. Uh, there would be a few years later, they would describe what happened. And in Genesis 20, uh, 42, verse 21, it says, Then they said, the brothers said to one another, Truly we are guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we wouldn't listen. He was distressed to his soul. He was crying. He was in agony. He was filled with fear and terror from what they were doing and what they had done. He was in pain. And, and he began to beg them, stop, stop, let me out. And they didn't. What they did then was so wrong, but they took it to another level of evil by selling him to slave traders. Uh, they sold him to become a slave to never see his family again, to never be free again, to probably die a painful death. And then they went to their father and lied to their father and told him that, that an animal had killed him and they showed a bloody robe and, and, and set it up and they, they left with a complete deception in place. While they did that, the slave traders are now torturing him. In Psalm 105 verse 17, it says, Joseph was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until, listen to these words, read these words, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now, what does that mean? He is actually being tortured. Um. And God says, but you know what? It's, I'm going to do this because I've, I've given you a promise. I've given you a word. And, and I'm testing you to see if you'll stay faithful to me in the midst of this. Because that's a part of you, being a tested man, a faithful man, a strong man. And uh, Joseph hung in. Joseph kept the faith. Joseph believed something, that God was working behind the scenes. The scene he was seeing just did not look good. The scene he was seeing was like out of a horror movie. And yet what he was experiencing was a belief that behind the scenes was a God who in the end would bring something good out of this. See, how could that be? How could being trafficked be good? How could jealousy be good? How could his brothers doing this be good? You may be asking questions like that in your life. How could anything good come out of the coronavirus? How could my job being in danger or peril or gone be okay? How could, you know, what's going on in our country, our land, how could any good come? And, and if you are a believer, I want you to take a moment to pause and ask this question. And ask it of God. What are you doing behind the scenes? Because he is. He's working. He's working. And in Joseph's case, he was working overtime for Joseph. He was doing incredible things for Joseph. So Joseph now is going to be sold into slavery. But of all the people that could buy him, a man named Potiphar buys him. Potiphar 
is the captain of the bodyguard. He's like the head of Pharaoh's secret service. He's one of the highest officials and definitely maybe the most, if not one of the most, trusted officials in the land of Egypt. So he is sold into a very wealthy home of a very powerful, influential, prominent man. But he goes in as a menial slave. But God begins to work on his behalf. So what happens is everything he does, God blesses. And Potiphar begins to notice it. God makes him aware of it. And so Potiphar begins to give Joseph promotion after promotion after promotion after promotion. And listen to what it says in Genesis 39 verse 2. It said, the Lord was with Joseph. By the way, if you're a believer, you can say these words, God, you're with me. God, you're with me. But the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar, the Egyptian master, noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. And he put him in charge of his entire household and, these are key words, everything he owned. Not just his household, his entire estate. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And all of his household's affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. Did you see those other words? God did this for Joseph's sake. God did this for Joseph's sake. God caused good to come for Joseph. He gave him favor. He gave him blessing. He gave him success. God was working. And now here's what's so wild. God was working behind the scenes, but Potiphar saw it. He said, well, something's up here. The Lord is with this young man. I can sense something special is happening. So he rises up, rises up, rises up. By the way, while he's in Potiphar's household, he would have learned the customs of the land of Egypt. He would have learned uh, the customs of what it would mean to be in Pharaoh's court, how to act and how to host and, and, and how to be in that situation. He became fluent in Egyptian during this period of time. He became extremely educated and his leadership ability grew to incredible heights. Now, while he was living with his father, Jacob, none of that happened. He was being babied. He was being pampered. He was being kept from hard work. And, and now he becomes a time-tested leader because God turned what the brothers did to good and turned what the slavers did to good. But now it's to get a graduate level of success. As good a leader as he is, he has to be taught more. And so what happens is Potiphar's wife begins to lust after Joseph. She begins to lust after him and she begins to be flirtatious with him. And then she begins to be uh, uh, even aggressive with him. And while Potiphar's gone one day, she's extremely aggressive and, and goes for him physically. And he said, I can't do that to God and I can't do that to my master. And she grabs hold of him and he turns and runs. And when he runs, she's holding on to the garments he's wearing. And he, he has to run so hard, they peel off and he runs outside in the nude. Um, running out of her bedroom, running out of the house where they had been alone in the nude. Uh, that would be damning evidence. And she uses it. 
She begins to scream, he tried to rape me, he tried to rape me, he tried to rape me. And nobody seems to believe him. By the way, it's possible Potiphar did. Because for a man to do that to another man's wife, especially a high up Egyptian official, uh, you would you would be killed. You would be put to death. You would get capital punishment. But he doesn't get that. Also, he doesn't get off, though. He gets put in prison. He gets put in prison. So now he goes from being the prominent member with incredible influence and one of the richest households in the land of Egypt to being a prisoner in a prison no one would want to be in. Think about what occurred in his life. Uh, he went from being a slave because of the cruelty of his brothers now to being a prisoner because of the lying and lustful nature of a woman who falsely accuses him. How could any of that be good? How could God turn it to good? But he does. He does again. God begins to work behind the scenes. So while he's in prison, what happens is God begins to bless him. And so he begins uh, to rise up in influence and leadership within the prison. And in Genesis chapter 39, it says this, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. He showed him his faithful love. God's behind the scenes, but he's showing him faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, what's going on? Uh, Joseph's learning how to manage a prison and difficult people. By the way, uh, I feel like the vast majority of people I oversee here at Crossroads are very easy to work with. The ones I showed you are incredible. They are joys to be around. But you know what? There are times when you're a leader, you got to manage difficult people. Some of you right now at the place you work, you're supervising and you're like, these guys drive me crazy. And that takes better leadership. That, that takes more resilience. And Joseph learned that in prison in a way he would have never learned in Potiphar's house. And so now what happens is Joseph understanding a purpose that God has in him and, and a leadership ability that God has in him. And now he becomes not just a leader, but a leader of leaders and a strong leader and, and, and a, a fair leader and an effective leader. See, when his brothers were were brought under his rule, and that would happen. They would become very afraid. The dream he had that looked like it could never be fulfilled would be fulfilled one day when a famine would hit the land and Joseph would have been freed from prison and put in the second command under Pharaoh. He actually, God orchestrates it. So because of a dream, Pharaoh's dreams, his dreams would be fulfilled and he's freed from prison and, and Pharaoh appoints him as the number two man in all the land because of his leadership ability and his knowledge of Egypt and his knowledge of Egyptian affairs, all of which he learned in those seasons when God was working behind the scenes. And when the famine hits, his brothers come to him and uh, it's a cool story, so you got to read it, but I just want to go to this part of it. They realized that now Joseph set a place with power to harm them, 
to imprison them after they've imprisoned him, to enslave them after he enslaved them, or they enslaved him. But he's not going to do it. Because Joseph realized all those years, God was working behind the scenes, causing all of that evil to be turned together for good because Joseph loved God and because he lived his life according to his purpose. And in Genesis chapter 45, what happens? He begins to comfort his brothers and encourage his brothers and say, don't worry because I know God was working. I know God even took what you did and turned it together for good. And in Genesis 45, verse 5, it says, Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life, even your lives, he's saying. He's talking to his brothers. He says, For the famine has been in the land two years, and there will be five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me. Notice he didn't say you sent me. God sent me before you to preserve you for you, uh, uh, to preserve for you a remnant in the earth. By the way, if you're studying Isaiah's with us, the remnant's a big deal. And you want to be the remnant, the faithful few. And he said, God did all this to preserve a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, listen to these words. Now, therefore, you guys, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over the land of Egypt. He goes, you know what? It was the Lord. It was God. All, God took all this and made all this happen. Look what he did. Look at the miraculous place we've come to. God works behind the scenes. Remember that part of Psalm. It says that the word of the Lord tested him so that it would be fulfilled. God is sometimes going to test you. So the Romans 8, 28, that God causes all to work together for good in your life will be fulfilled. And listen to what Joseph says in Genesis 50, verse 20. He said this to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result and to preserve many people alive. So it's not God's will. It's not God's will for any of us to be jealous, liars, lustful, or abusive. And yet in Joseph's life, he took all of that and turned it to good so he would be a leader of leaders and he would be an effective leader that would save the lives of a nation and pretty much everybody in that area of the world. So he'd preserve the line of Jesus Christ because Joseph would would be a part of making sure that line of Christ was preserved so the Messiah one day would come, Jesus would come, and save even more people. As a matter of fact, uh, without Joseph, uh, you and I today would not have Jesus. We would not have salvation. So we are all blessed by what God did in the life of Joseph too. See, I've seen God do that over and over. I mean, I could go on, I'm not kidding by this, for hours telling you stories of what God's done in my life and God's done in Pam's life. Sometimes with things that were really hard, really challenging, really breaking, but we didn't get broken. Um, I remember one time my wife, Pam, 
had got a job at a, a huge department store because we were a young married couple with young kids and we needed to make money uh, uh, and we needed more money. And, and so what she did is she, she said, I, I'm going to take a job. And I said, but you can't work on Sundays, Pam, because I need you. I need you with me because we're a partnership. So when she went in for the job interview, she said, I can't work Sundays. They said, oh, no problem. We'll never have you work Sundays. She hadn't been working there maybe three weeks, and they made her come in on Sunday. And then another week, they made her come in on Sunday. Then the next week after that, now it's becoming regular. And she talked to her supervisor and said, hey, we had an agreement. And he said, Pam, I really value you, uh, but I don't know what to do. We're going to need you to come in. And she said, well, I, all right, can I work with you on this? But this Sunday I need off. We got up that Sunday morning and she gets a call from her supervisor and he said, you're going to have to come in today. I'm sorry. And Pam just starts crying. They lied to her. Um, They're actually pressuring her to do something she doesn't feel good about professionally. And uh, so she's really hurting. She's crying, crying. And I said, Pam, come on, we got to go to church. And she goes, I can't go to church like this. And I said, honey, this is exactly when you need church. By the way, let me tell you this. That's when you need church. When you're hurting, go to church. When your eyes are showing that you've been crying, go to church. Go. Do not, do not step away. Let God be there for you. Let the church be there for you. Even online. But I said, you got to go. She said, okay. She, and, and to be honest, I mean, my wife's beautiful, but she, she didn't. She looked a mess. So we're driving to the church, and I just said, hey, it's going to be okay. And she goes, I'm embarrassed about how I even look. And I go, you're fine. You're fine. So we get to church. I drop her and the kids off. I go to park the car. I come walking up to the building, and uh, I, I see people comforting Pam. And I'm sure I already know what they did, you guys. Yeah, they were going, what did Chuck do to you? <laughs> I'm sure that was their first conclusion. <laughs> what did Chuck do? But, but. What happened? She just said no, and, and she told enough. And then the word got to a man who was there who uh, managed an incredible store. And here's what Pam didn't know. is just a couple days before, he had an opening come, which actually paid better and had better hours and, and, and was something more exciting to her. And he actually said, you know what? We got to hire somebody. I wish I could hire somebody like Pam Boer. He named her. And then now he's standing in church hearing that Pam isn't happy at the job she's at uh, because they're not treating her fairly. And he's like, oh, this is the answer to my prayer. And he runs over to her and he says, you want a job and you won't work Sundays and and he'll actually pay her more. And, And he went on and on and on. And what did God do? Behind the scenes, God was working to orchestrate events, to put Pam in the right place, to be valued to get a better job with better pay, with better promise, with more fulfillment. And that's just what God does. Some of you, God's ready to do that for you right now. This is your moment. This is your time. But here's the thing you got to catch. Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for good for, for only certain people. For those who love God, do you love God? And are you committed to living his purpose for your life? And right now, if you are and that's you, you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me in a minute and say, God, that's me. I love you. 
and I'm committed to living out your purpose for my life. I'm committed to being completely yours, doing everything you say. We're going to pray that together and just make a commitment to God together. Let's do that together. For some of you, you need to pray that prayer for the very first time. For some, you need to pray to recommit your life. You're not doing that right now. But God wants to work behind the scenes for you on your behalf, bringing about incredible things that are just from him. But you gotta love him because he loves you and you gotta commit your life to him. So I'm gonna ask you to do that. So I'm gonna ask you to pray the prayer if you're already committed, just as a yes God moment. I'm gonna ask you to pray the prayer to recommit if you need to come back to him or you just need to get back on track. And I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer for the very first time if you've never prayed it. You could pray it uh, alone. You could pray it as a couple. You could pray it as friends, as a family. But pray the prayer. Pray the prayer. Then, if you pray the prayer to recommit or you pray the prayer uh, to commit for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do something, and it's this. I'm going to ask you to text... Amen. Amen means the truth. Amen means for real. Amen means I'm in. I'm going to say text amen to 69922. So you get out your phone and you go to your text and put in 69922 and text amen. Or on your iPad or on your computer. If you don't have access to any of those, email me at chuck at crossroadschurch.com. Just email amen if that's if you want. Now, if you do that, which I want you to do it, and I believe God does. Jesus said the, the way we come into this relationship with him or come back to the relationship with him is what do we do? It is we, we, we draw near to God by prayer. We call on the name of the Lord. And then you make it known. You make it known. Jesus, believe it or not, wants you to be loud and proud you belong to him. And so we want you to text amen. And if you text amen, we're going to text back to you to get to know you so we can encourage you. We'll keep your, your information private between us and you. Then we want to send you an electronic copy of a book called The Purpose Driven Life, one of the best-selling books of all time, written by Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback, and it teaches you how to live out your purpose. So if you're saying, okay, I want to, I love God and I want to live out my purpose, how would I do that? Well, The Purpose Driven Life will show you how to do that, and it's yours free. We want to get that to you free because we care about you. So what do we need to do is we need to pray. Everybody, let's all do it. Let's all do it. Some to say I'm in and I've always been. Others to say I'm coming back. Others to say this is my first step, but I'm going to do it. And then text amen if you're recommitting or you're making a first-time decision. Let's pray. I want to thank you, our Abba Father, our Dad, who uh, you work behind the scenes on our behalf, to, to orchestrate things, to guide things, to move things. And you've done that for me over and over, and you're doing it now. And I pray for people right this moment who are being moved, who are being touched, who this is either a time to come home or a time to commit or a time to recommit. But God, I pray that we're all going to do this together. So I pray for those who love you like I do right now, and we're good with you. But Lord, we just want to whisper the words and say, we're committed. We're committed to you and we love you and we want to live out the purpose of our life. I want to pray for those who need to recommit right now, who need to recommit and come back. And I hope they know, God, you want them back. And I want to pray for those who, this is their first time. This is their moment. 
And I want to pray for people who are hurting and need healing and people who are trapped and need freedom. So they, they right now can know that there is not just hope, there's a way you're going to pave. Right now, if you love God, you're committed to him, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I, I'm committed to you. I love you. And I want to live your purpose for my life. And I trust you with my life. So fill me with your spirit and take me now and and guide me every step this week and beyond. And for those who need to commit or recommit, I want you to pray this prayer with me. So if you need to commit or it's your first time to say this, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, say most of all, I want you to make me yours. And I want you to make me alive. And I want you to make me brand new. So I say yes. If all you could say is that, Just say, I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to you, and I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And make sure you text it. Don't hold back. We want to get you your copy of The Purpose Driven Life. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to celebrate with you. We want to be your church family. So text amen to 69922. But uh, man, I hope you know that God loves you. I hope you know that he is working behind the scenes, orchestrating things, guiding you, moving in your life, empowering you for great and amazing things. And I want you to experience that. So this week, may you experience the hand of God, the favor of God, and the blessing of God on you, your friends, your family, and and everything in your life. May you experience that.